On this podcast, we explore the biases. My problem wasn't so much that I was a woman, but that I was a German woman. Freedoms. But really, for me, hitting 50s, I was just winding up. Challenges. A woman of your age, a chance. I don't know if you're tired, lazy, don't know what you're doing. We're willing to give you the opportunity. And the power. You increase your income by 300%. That come from being female and 50. Oh my goodness. The story behind this story. I'm curious now, what did you do? I loved the concept of your podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Are you a mom? Do you have pets? Yeah. What did you want to be when you were oh, a little girl? Oh my goodness. Wow. Watch out world. We're 50 and we're not dead yet. Welcome to 50 Not Dead. Today it is my immense pleasure to welcome Demetria Henderson. Demetria is the director of Diversity, Equity, Inclusion for the College of Business at James Madison University. She is also a leadership and empowerment coach. She's also a lovely, funny, and fun woman. I'm so excited for you to meet her. Demetria, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate your time. I appreciate being here. Oh, my pleasure. Would you mind just telling us just a little bit about who you are to get us going? Ooh, who am I? Okay. Um, I would say that I am a woman in her 50s, a Black woman in her 50s, because I very much cling to, to that in terms of my social identity, my race and my gender, um, who is on this path, this journey called life. And right now, I'm really at that stage where I am looking to not to be cliche is, but be my best self, but at the same time, really be a person that is able to make a meaningful impact in the lives of others. Uh, and so that for me is a part of my mission, the idea of maybe leaving this place a little bit better uh, whenever I do leave th this place. And so for me, that is very important, this idea of being able to help and empower people to live in whatever their truth is and to go after whatever their truth is for them. Oh, well, you are singing my song. I love that. And in your role at the university, how often are you able or, you know, as being the director of diversity, equity and inclusion, are you able to fully empower and act on that mission, would you say? Ooh, you asked me that question. I have to be careful of how I answer that. No. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it, it, it's great. It, it's one of those things where I, I think for me, my impact comes in various directions. So when it comes to the work of diversity, equity, inclusion, like diversity was one of the reasons why I went back to school to get my PhD at the age of 42. Um, so it was this idea of knowing and thinking that there had to be a better way of doing things in the corporate world, et cetera. And so it was one of those situations where the diversity stuff had always been there on my heart. But when I got to James Madison, that's not the work that I was doing. I was just, you know, visiting assistant professor, teaching courses. And then the uh, summer of 2020 happened and mm -hmm. everything, everybody all of a sudden 
had their eye on DEI. And so it was interesting. It's like I was going to continue to study on at James Madison University to chair our diversity council. And so when that, and so when the summer happened, I also uh, was given the role of director of diversity, equity, and inclusion for the College of Business. So with that being said, um, it is one of those things where, again, I'm just there for the College of Business, not the university as a whole. Mm -hmm. And so I would say that the impact that I make or am making, it has been slow, but that has also been very intentional because I am very aware of the climate that we are in, in this country and my university, et cetera. And it is one of those things where I am at a predominantly white university. And, and I, I know that sometimes not everyone is, is very keen with this thing called DEI. And so I'm one of these individuals where I like to manage by fact, by evidence. And so for me, my mission, my role is to gather data, collect data, and inform and educate individuals in terms of helping to build the case as to why sometimes we have to make some of these lasting changes. Um, and, and so for me, it, it is one of those things where I see part of my work in terms of just kind of like, you know, shining a spotlight in terms of some of the, the, the pains, the hurts, that, that we have going on, as well as like, you know, also celebrating a, a, a lot of the good things that we do. And so for me, my impact, it, it's, it's one of those things, like I said, when it comes to DEI work, you're in it for the long game. Mm. It's not a quick fix. And so sometimes for me, I have to remind myself of that because it is one of those situations where it can be sometimes very heavy. Uh, and even painful sometimes, like, you know, when you go home and like, you know, just doing this and knowing that sometimes as soon as you take one step, there are two steps back that like, you know, things happen. But again, I, I think it's one of those in those situations where individuals who do this work, they're, they're in it because they really believe in it and they really want to see a change come about in this world and in this country. One of the things that comes across my mind is, you know, when you said that you present with facts and figures to help teach and educate individuals and share information, I would guess, and I could be completely wrong, but I would guess that with age, that coming at something with facts and figures and just having lived through a lot of things in itself gives you gives you some clout so to speak where in the case that our age actually might be in our favor as well as facts and figures because i would think that some of that the what you're facing is as you said painful and i would think i would think at times so angering and and so naturally like human to be re reactive Mm -hmm. I think, and I think that it's probably heard best when it actually is grounded in facts and figures. And I think that with age, maybe we're able to separate that a little bit more and present it that way. Does that make any sense at all, what I'm saying? It, it, it does. And it is one of those situations that I think my life has really brought me to that place where I know that it's not one of those situations where you can come in guns blazing uh, because I've seen people try to do that and I know that it doesn't work. 
Um, and, and again, the thing is, there is no recipe book in terms of how you do this DEI work. It is one of these situations where I think we're all just out here trying to do our best. But for me, and I, maybe this is also my comfort level, but it is this idea of, I know that there is this thing called buy-in. I know that there is this thing called education. And so it, it's one of those things where, again, you have to sort of like, you know, choose and pick your battles in terms of what's going to be perhaps the best way to get your message across. And so right now, it's say, especially being in a university setting with a bunch of academicians, mm -hmm. data, data will not lie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It sounds like still let you use it. Yes. <laughs> where you are. I really am blessed, I think, to be in the space that I am because it was it, it was interesting. So for me, when I went back to get my PhD, I was like, okay, yeah, like, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go the whole tenure track route. And then eventually I'll get into administration. And so it was one of those situations where, you know, early on there, I decided not to pursue tenure. You know, I was like, wait a minute. And, and folks were like, wait a minute, you did all this. <laughs> did your job. And now you don't want the tenure thing. And, and so, and, and that has to do with, perhaps the age and the impact. I was like, you know, I was at that age where it's like, mm, you know what? I don't know if me publishing in journals that most people are not reading or will never put their hands on is the best way for me to make the impact that I want to make. And so it was really trying to figure out what might be the way for me to have the impact that I want. And so it's interesting the way in which the universe and God works in terms of the fact that, you know, and I mean, I'm not saying that it was a blessing that everything happened in summer of 2020, but it was one of those situations where because of that, I kind of skipped over now into this sort of administrative role. So I'm getting a taste of that in mm. academia and and it and it's doing work that I give a damn about. Um yes. and, and so and and it is work that I feel as though I can make a difference. Again, sometimes I look at it and sometimes I come home and it's like, am I really even doing anything? Uh, but then it, it was interesting, like, like ju just this past week, I had like, you know, two individuals on our diversity council just kind of, like, you know, just thanked me for like my, my leadership and the impact that I'm making. And so it's like, okay, you know, it was like deep breath. All right. I, it, it, it's, I'm doing something. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I think that a lot of us, when we are doing work, whether we give a damn about it or not, right? I mean, it's when we're there all day. We really hope that it does have an impact. And when we really do care, you know, and it, and like when there's something like my friend Angie Ancoma, who he, she leads a diversity, equity, inclusion leadership group for the Rhode Island Foundation. And she calls it heart work, you know, that, that it's, it's her work, but it is so closely linked to her heart. And to your point about like something you give a damn about and something you care about. And I can imagine because we all have those days where we feel like, well, certainly days where you just feel like, did, did I get anywhere? But in where your work must feel so big and so important. And sometimes like I would guess, like you're going so far uphill with so many rocks stacked against you that I can imagine that it can feel that way. And thank goodness that some people along the way are stopping and say, hey, thanks. Mm -hmm. I appreciate it. I appreciate what you're doing. I recognize that. I'm, 
I'm glad you're I'm glad you're getting some of that because I'm I'm sure that it's not easy. I think being an educator in this day and age itself, no matter what you're teaching, is really hard. Just from I don't think it's ever been easy in this country, but I don't think we've made it any easier on our educators and teaching a subject that, in my opinion, should be really well embraced because we all benefit from it. It, you know, it gets into the politics of everything and it must make it even just more difficult. But I think that it's I'm I think it's great that you receive some compliments on it and that recognition. And I hope that it comes in, um, you know, clearly you wouldn't do it if it weren't something that we're making an impact. And, um, you know, there's the other part of your work where you're doing some individual coaching work where you meet with people one-on-one. And is that in that sphere more closely related to when you introduced yourself about, you know, living your, and I'm probably going to forget exactly what you said, but you know, your most, your most authentic best life. Mm-hmm. And do you work with others to help them do exactly that? Yes. Yeah. So it, it was interesting. I, I was introduced to coaching when I was working on a master's program to get into a PhD program. Mm-hmm. And one of those things where I said, okay, after I get this PhD, I will want to get my certification in coaching. And that would just be my little side hustle, right? Um, and so that, that just kind of like, you know, stayed in the brain. And it was one of those situations where a few months after defending my dissertation, I was sitting in a hotel room working on my coaching certification because that was still there. And so that is, for me, another avenue for me to make my impact and have the impact um, that I want to have. And, and, I, and I think, like, you know, as you know, with, with most coaches, all who we coach, a lot of it really is centered around what we've been through and our journeys, et cetera. And so for me, again, I'm not saying that I'm exactly where I want to be. But again, I recognize that that, that it's that journey. Um, and, and for me, it's one of these situations where I really did a lot of self-work in terms of really understanding who, who am I, what do I want, and actually being okay with saying what I want. For me, that was one of my biggest struggles. Right. And so this idea, so it's like, you know, sure. Yeah. The education stuff, the job stuff, you know, fine, but but to really think about this idea of building this business on my own solo, a service business, um, and it's one of these things where sometimes you ask yourself, who are you to think that you can do this, et cetera? And so these, for me, are many of the battles and the hurdles that I had to overcome. And so with that being said, in terms of the, my clients and the people who I like to work with. I I really love working with mid-career professionals. Mm-hmm. We're sometimes at that crossroads who are really to that point where it's like, is this it? Mm-hmm. Is this all there is for me? Or, or, or knowing that they're meant for something more and either they don't know what it is yet or they know what it is and they're too afraid to go after it. And so it's really helping them get that clarity around what it is that they're really wanting for themselves and working to help get them into action so that they can create that life that they want and they desire for themselves. So, yeah. It feels pretty good when you can have that kind of impact directly. I try. Oh, my God. I don't have any doubt. 
that you have that impact on people. And I think that's one of the greatest gifts of coaching is when, when we're able to do that. And certainly that work of, uh, am I enough? Am I worth it? Who am I to say? Who am I to guide? I think we all have to go through that as coaches, uh, and certainly as solopreneurs, and like drumming up business and all of that. But then also too, I think as individuals, we all go through those, those periods of, am I enough? Will I ever be enough? Is it enough? Is it ever enough? When is it enough? And, and it can be a really kind of a, an existential crisis at points, right? Of mm-hmm. like, Well, if it's not, then what, what then? And, yeah. and that can be really scary. Um, so when I reached out to you about a podcast called 50 Not Dead, mm-hmm. what did you think? What went across your mind? It resonated with me because it's like, even though in my mind, I'm still not 50, <laughs> but my body tells me that I am. <laughs> Funny how that works. <laughs> like, what is up with the joints all of a sudden? I pick mean, I I up the tea kettle. All like, of it. God. <laughs> They say it happens, and I'm like, ah, nah. and then I'm like, what the hell? But yes, please yeah. go on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was just one of those things where it's like, that is so true. It's like, you know, it. I feel as though I still have so much living to do. And for me, there is so much more that I want to accomplish. It's like from, I, I really feel as though I'm just at the cusp of creating what I am meant to create and do in this world. And so for me, the recognition that I'm not too old. Mm-hmm. That, and it is 23. See, yes, I'm 53. I'll put it out there. Yes, I'm 53. <laughs> <laughs> that time is not even a factor for me to consider. And and so it it, it is just the power in knowing that we're not on a time clock. Mm-hmm. And that I, I think this all boils down again to this idea of living whatever that truth is for you, regardless of what the age is, regardless of what the number is. I think as long as we just continue doing that, that is the mission, that is the work. And so again, that your, your title, 59 Dead, is just a beautiful reminder that we're not on a clock, that that this is not the, the end for us. This yeah. can This can be the beginning. That's exactly how I feel about it too, is that when I, you know, started this show and looking at 50, I was, I mean, I feel like, I love how you described it, that you're on the cusp. That's exactly how at 50, I mean, and I, I'm, I am 50 and feeling like I'm just getting started. Like there's so much that I'm just getting, like my impact is is just starting you know and like meeting people like you and 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 thinking of like how do we you know how do we support each other how do we as a community come together and support this you know this work and other work and there's so much to do still that at 50 you know i am absolutely inspired that you went and got your phd at 42 it makes me feel like okay i can get my masters maybe at 52 and i won't I mean, I'm probably going to be the oldest one in the classroom, but, you know, then maybe I can teach the class one day. <laughs> Who knows? We just have so much more room to, mm-hmm. to grow and, 
when you were talking about the impact that, that you want to make and before you leave, what do you hope to have people say? What impact do you hope that you will have made? I, I think for me, I just want um, to know that I was there, that I was present, and that folks felt my presence. And that I, in some sort of way, touched them and made them, and I won't say made them, but helped them in some sort of way um, to being that better version of themselves or in some way just kind of like connected with them in that way to just know that somebody saw them somebody heard them you know those are the things that matter because i think at the end of the, of the day i always say we're all humans we all just want to be seen and heard and so for me i love engaging in conversations with individuals to let them know that they are not alone and that i do see them and that i hear them uh, and create that space for for people to just be and whatever that be is without judgment. I feel a lot in, in your answer of that same desire of wanting to help others be seen and in the same way be seen and have people know that you were here and that, that you left a mark, that you worked hard, that that you made a difference. Yeah. I get really lucky with this work. It's not every day that I get to see straight into somebody's heart. Thank you for being so present, so honest. I don't have any doubt that you're one hell of a coach and that the work you're doing is going to make a difference. And for anybody who doesn't know, Demetria Henderson, You've got to reach out and meet her because she is a beautiful woman inside and out and she's strong and she will provide that space. I mean, the fact that just here on this podcast with just two of us, I feel it. I feel it in my, my arm hairs standing up and I feel it in my, in my own heart. And, um, I think you're going to have a, really good run with a lot of impact and I want you to know I certainly appreciate you sharing that with me Demetria it's an honor it's my honor thank you thank you for giving the space to be oh my gosh well it's I like I said I'm I'm the lucky one to get to meet a person like you who would be that real with me on the spot I truly appreciate it. And I do encourage people. This is someone who will change your life. She will help you be your very best self. And you can get in touch with Demetria on her website, which I will put in the show notes, but it is www.dfhservices.net. I will also put her LinkedIn profile in the show notes. And I have to say, this was um, 
probably one of the more emotional podcast episodes I have done yet. Thank you all for listening and for being here with us. Thank you so much. Thank you again, Demetria. Thank you. If you'd like to share your story or your ideas on how to move this discussion forward, I would love to hear from you. Please feel free to contact me at Cameron at CameronHuban.com or visit my website, www.CameronHuban.com.